Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to today's live stream. It is Cody, your Cape Crusader. We're here with our good friend. I did it again, dude. I did it once more. Chris Michael. There you <laughs> go. Homebrewed Comics. And we're here talking about Crit Intestinal Fortitude, a D&D &D superhero adventure story. Issue number, you said it was six? Yes. Issue number six. So how are you? Welcome to the stream. And tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, well, thanks for having me, and I appreciate you know you taking the time out of your afternoon to come uh, talk about Dungeons and Dragons and comic books. A um, little bit about me: I got into comic book creating late 2019, released the first book in 2020, and it's been a whirlwind ever since. So we've released uh, five books prior to this. This is our sixth entry. It's it, it is issue number five. A little confusing that issue zero, you know counting sucks i'm not good at math we'll put it that way uh, <laughs> but uh right now we are releasing our first chapter so this the sixth entry in the series does close out the first chapter of the the story it's a it's a fun energetic you know tongue-in-cheek uh, adventure story um you know it's a fun ride that's that, that's what the feedback i always get is wow your book's fun so yeah so the creation of this is definitely different from anything I think I've ever heard about, it's it's created from an actual D&D campaign. So what goes into that? How are you able to uh, play the campaign and then craft a story, and let alone a comic around it? Uh, you know, prior to this Kickstarter campaign, no one really asked me that question. And I have gotten that question so much that I, I, I decided the other day I'm going to put a, a big, like, thing on our website discussing it because <laughs> I didn't know it was that cool until everyone's like, oh wow, how do you do that? And it's it's a lot of fun for me writing wise because I go in and I create the sessions, you know, I'm the dungeon master. And for people that don't, you know, it sounds like the guy that wears a, cl a cloak and and I'm all creepy. But no, uh, we play virtually. <laughs> Usually we roll out of bed Sunday mornings and we'll get online and um I create scenarios. So, hey guys, this is the setting you're in. This is the situation you're in. What do you do? And we go from there. Uh, I have a story board written. So I have uh, these events is this this cause and effect kind of thing. Generally, I I create closed situations for myself to see what they do because I learned really early on as a DM that if I had this big plan that they would screw mm -hmm. it up and they did. And that's what you see in the comic book in the very early parts is they kept screwing everything up. And my character is the DM and in the book, you see me as like the CEO or, you know, the, the uh, commander of their team. What was, uh, what's the name of your character in the book? I, I play many characters, but right now you'll see me mainly as commander Richter is my dm insert for the moment or uh sebastian shaw those two characters are like my main dm characters because they're the guys that say hey here's a mission for you that we want you to go on <laughs> any uh, meaning behind them. uh the names for them uh no actually so uh i found i found out sebastian shaw is actually a marvel character afterward and that was just uh like random i did a random name generator and, and you're kind of like, what are the odds of this? Like, <laughs> I didn't, and you, I didn't think about it until issue one shipped, and I'm reading it, and I was like, wait a minute, Sebastian Shaw, isn't that 
like Black King or something. And it's been a long time since I read like the Marvel stuff. And I was like, I think he's in Marvel. I'm like, but there's no outside the name. And Shaw is such a so one of my boss's names is Shaw also. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny because you know I have him now in a book and I'm not very nice to him in the book. So <laughs> Oh man, has he ever read um, a book? Uh well we distribute through him, so yeah, he, he probably never read it. He he probably doesn't care. He's too busy of a man to oh. worry about that, so. <laughs> He probably would read him like, Oh man, this dude. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh next performance review, we're gonna talk. Um but it it'd be fitting because that's kind of how now that I think about it, how Shaw is in the book, it's very oh wow, I didn't even plan that. And I actually started <laughs> I, <laughs> before I even started the job. Hopefully, hey, if um, you're watching, we like you, Shaw. No worries. Yeah, yeah, you're great. <laughs> um but uh so Richter was actually based off of um a guy that I used to work with when I did uh, uh home remodeling and construction. Mm-hmm. I worked with a guy who was a, a who was a military vet and he was really tough skinned. But you knew somewhere deep down in there, there was this nice guy. And eventually that, as I annoyed the crap out of him while we were working together, he eventually like showed that that cool side of himself. And uh, <laughs> later on in the book, you see Richter and Caliber create this kind of friendship. They they both like guns. So there's a few times where the guys walk into a, you know, see Richter and he's pulled up some gun. He's like, Caliber, look at this gun I'm going to buy. And, uh, you know, it shows like they're kind of, yeah, what a fitting name as well. Caliber. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, uh, that that's Brad. So I don't, you know, I don't create these characters, um, you know, with, with, and I thought, so when I, when the thought process came D and D comic book, D and D came first, the, the, the session was the idea first. I never really intended it to be a comic book. We just want, hadn't played D and D in about ten years. I had this idea for superhero D and D, and I pitched it to him like, "Hey, you know, tomorrow you wake up with superpowers. What do you do?" And the first session was just so fun, <laughs> um, you know. And and this is something I've played D and D for a long time, mm-hmm. and I've played with a lot of different groups. And every group is like, "Oh man, this should be a cartoon. This is so funny. This should be this." And I was just the one idiot that decided, hey, I'm going to do this. And I have yeah. no idea what I'm doing. So uh, what's it like <laughs> finally? Uh, I mean, because I, I, playing D&D in a group setting has to be awesome. But the fact that you can play it digitally whenever you want to has to be nice, too. How, how, how has that made, like, improvements to the game for you uh, with uh, with Corona being such a, an issue um, over the last you know year or so? So I won't lie. When Corona first hit and we were going full remote, it i thought we would stop playing i thought that would be the death of the campaign because Mm -hmm. years ago we we all lived in boone north carolina we would get together every sunday we would play D &D, eat pizza and that's what we did for two years i moved away first and you know remote technology wasn't was what it is now that it was you know 10 years ago so we actually tried to use Xbox Live with the video camera. Um, to <laughs> Make do it everything. work, you know. We tried. It just never, it never took off. We wound up, you know, like I said, we didn't play for like 10 years because people moved away. People were doing other things. But when Corona hit, we, um, we I, I got Discord and I was like, hey, let's just try this. So one session in and I, you know, 
as things start opening up, you know, later on, I asked the guys, do you want to play in person? A few of them were like, yeah, but you know, a couple of our guys live an hour and a half away. And they were like, um, I'd much rather just roll out of bed in my pajamas, you know? Yeah. Um, and we've been able to keep the, the campaign live, you know, going on. We started this thing, what, late 2018, early 2019. And we're so three, almost four years. We've been playing the same campaign. So which, in D&D terms, that's impressive. <laughs> what, like what, what, like, I guess, like struck you as to making a comic out of this? What was like the defining moment where you're like, you know what? That's it. We're pulling the trigger. We're doing this now. And I'm doing it with this group. I did it at first because I was really bored and I, <laughs> we were we were in our group chat talking about this first session for a month. We just continually talked about some of the stuff that happened or how exciting it was. And at the time I was unemployed and I had a lot of extra time. So I just started drawing. Not that I was very good at it, but I just started drawing and I made the book. Well, once the book was done and I showed some people, my wife was the first person that actually saw the book outside our group. And she looked at it and was like, it's okay. And I said, well, I can't just have it's okay. You know, I just can't. Like, how can uh, I make this better? <laughs> right. And, and so like, that's what really motivated me to make something better. But then when I started making things better, I realized, well, hey, I could handle line art. I really don't understand coloring that well. And so I got someone else to color it. Well, that costs money. Mm -hmm. So how do you get money? You go to Kickstarter and then they have to ask people for money. So now you have to have a product and it just became this snowball effect. And then, you know, we wound up, I think the first book, once I put it on the website, it was like 150 copies went out. And I was like, wait a minute, that many people care about our DMV? Yeah. So that just kind of triggered something into me that, hey, we might have something cool here that people want to read. And now, you know, six issues in, we've consistently funded. We've, you know, the website surprisingly does very well even after the Kickstarters. And we've gotten a lot of fan art. We've gotten, I get messages. People oh, ask, man, fan art has to be awesome. Most of the stuff that you see on my wall is actually um, everything except for one cover back there was drawn by somebody else. That's so, so cool. Um, I like surrounding myself with other people's art. It's really inspiration. Mm -hmm. I, I really uh I, I love your guys' shirt. Your shirt design is awesome. <laughs> I gotta make a new one. We decided last night. I gotta make one that says crit. Do you like D D? Because when I do Comic Cons, that's my pitch is like, hey, do you like D D? It's a really good conversation starter. Cause some someone will ever say, Oh yeah, I love D D. And then I can go into that pitch. Or I've mm -hmm. never really played. It's like, well, do you like superheroes then? Yeah, I like superheroes. Cool. Do you like, you know, dumbasses yeah there's so much fun <laughs> you know like do you like deadpool do you like peacemaker now that peacemaker is a thing um how'd you feel about peacemaker well I, I loved peacemaker but i was also mad at peacemaker because vigilante is almost my character caliber to a t um but <laughs> caliber does have a power set so it makes him a little different and oh man you know uh, actually, so Brad, who plays Caliber in real life, he calls me up and he goes, so we might have a problem. <laughs> he goes, I watched some of the Peacemaker stuff and they've got even my dialogue in there. Like, yeah, I, you I know, know, I can almost picture like your voice too. Your voice sounds pretty similar to him. Mm. I love the character, not gonna lie. Um, I love Peacemaker. I think 
that was unexpected and shows us that not everything we we want needs to be a comic book and some of the mm-hmm. things needs to be a show oh man and him and his uh, whitey tidies with the with the vibrators singing in it right like <laughs> uh, it, it was very unexpected and but I, I i'm actually bummed we don't have the show anymore right? yeah yeah we're we're uh, greenlit for season two though good i i was very excited to hear that even before the season ended and what i love the most about that was um you know, it was never even supposed to be made this was just mm-hmm. something that he started working on and as a joke pitched to warner brothers and they were like i love it and it reminds me a lot about this you know my book because it was something that was supposed to be a joke between friends and a way for me to keep them interested in the campaign mm-hmm. was to hold it you know i'm a salesperson by trade and i know that to get people to, to do things and, and buy into your stuff you give them a physical item yeah yeah so, and nothing um, better than saying like hey here's a here's a comic book of your characters doing the stupid shit that you just did and <laughs> like being able to take that home and go oh man remember when this happened right mm-hmm. uh, there there's just some um emotional value to it and so that was the original goal and then once it became more than that it really drove the campaign home um really issue five that well it's the sixth issue but number five right so Mm -hmm. this issue intestinal fortitude when it came out was when i had originally released or started working on issue one and issue zero was you know wasn't even a thing then it was just issue one and this was when they first came in and realized well hey our campaign means a little bit more than just us playing DD now so you see them really role play their characters well as a dm i started using some different tactics to be a little bit more creative and allow more creative freedom for the team mm-hmm. and everything just meshed very well so uh, sorry, um, sorry to interrupt you. I was gonna ask uh, for anyone listening because I know myself, me myself, I really, I'm really not that well versed in it. With D and D, like, what goes into it? Like the type of game, uh, like just a quick breakdown of it um, for for those listening who have no idea what it is. <laughs> so, it's you have a piece of paper, and mind you, the guys I play with now are the ones that got me into D and D to begin with. The first time they asked me, I was a DM for um, GameStop, a district manager, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Hey, you should come play D and D with us." And I said, "Guys, I'm nerdy, but not that nerdy." Okay, <laughs> you know, I still got to maintain some some semblance of my my manhood over here. I was like, "No, I'm sorry," and they were like, "No, no, no, it's not it's not what you think." And I was like, "Guys, I don't I don't want to get dressed up. I don't want to go in the basement, and I don't want to pretend to be somebody. You know, it just doesn't seem like fun." Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you, you don't really do that. It's just, they, and they asked me, like, well, do you like uh, Star Wars? You know, um, the, the video game, you know, um, Knights of the Old Republic. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an awesome game. You like Mass Effect? Yeah, yeah, I love that game. Okay, well, that is D&D, but in digital format. What do you mean? Oh, well, you know, everything, the, the computer just does your roles for you. So it really made me think, I'm like, oh, okay, well, then I can do this. So I have a piece of paper. And I write all my stuff out and, you know, you roll to make this character and it's all random generated. So, and that's like the RNG aspect of video games, basically. Exactly. Is the role. Yeah. 
it's all you know you roll for your stats right so you you have you either have good luck or bad luck making your character and you use those stats to kind of build this idea of what you want your character to be and the the campaign that really got me was when we started mass effect we had we had done a campaign uh first that lasted five sessions which i absolutely hated um i don't know the what's the age range on your show um cussing aloud (laughs) oh yeah yeah you can cuss okay you're fine okay um so that campaign ended with me because i hated it so much the dm kept putting us in bad situations and i was like this is a terrible way to get me into DD." um i had one one of my players i convinced him to daze the big giant monster i had another player block the monster in and then i got behind it and i got as big as i could and i fucked it until it died (laughs) um the the dm gave me this ability to where i can what are you doing (laughs) oh the dm actually when i so i called this move the mind fuck (laughs) one character was able to control the like like anyone's mind he was a psionic character so he could mind control anything and then he gave me this ability because i was the only one at the time that like worked out so he's like oh you're the you're the guy that works out you can control body and i was like well give me an idea of what what do you mean well you can shape shift you can turn your body in you know you're, you're like mr fantastic meets he-man meets you know <laughs> and you're like I'm, like, I'm gonna get super big and fuck everything i see <laughs> I, well every time i thought of something cool they want to making me do stupid stuff like i had sex with pancakes in that and like the third third thing <laughs> the the guy that does mind control made me love pancakes so much that it was like american pie for pancakes and uh i was like this is stupid i hate this i really don't like the he didn't the the dm didn't give us any freedom to have fun and so I just used my own, you know, I, I guess I'm a little bit, uh, like I'm a person, I just get my way all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I go in and I said, okay, logically, you know, Brad can mind control stuff, right? He goes, yeah, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, Brad, you need to mind control this thing into just like a daze. Like I want it to be completely dazed for a turn. And so Brad's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And I lean over to him and I'm like, I'm gonna fuck it. And he goes, what? I'm like, we're going to call this move the mind fuck. And we're going to continue this throughout the campaign. And so I get, I, I didn't tell the DM what I was doing. I said, all right, well, I want to use my turn to move behind it. He said, okay. I was like, so I should have an advantage here because now I'm behind it. It can't see me in its days, right? He goes, yeah, yeah. Because if I just said what I wanted to do, he would tell me, no, you can't do that. And yeah. that was how the whole campaign went. No, you can't do that. And so I was like, all right, so I can do this, right? I can get behind it. Yes. And you said I have power of body so I can get to the size of it, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can you can grow in size. I'm like, cool. I want to get as big as it. All right, cool. And I want to get right up behind it. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're right up behind it. He's thinking I'm going to like wrestle it or something. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm yeah. going to put my hands like right on its hips. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, and I want to put my dick in and I want my dick to get as big as it possibly can until it comes out the other end. I want to impale this thing. And he's and like, he oh, man, me. my logic, my logic is yeah. killing me right now. <laughs> right. And he looks at me and he goes, what? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, angels fall from the from the from the sky and destroy the entire party. And the game is over. And he closes his book. He packs up his stuff and he walks out of the apartment and we never saw him again. I mean, to be honest with you, though, that dude did sound kind of like boring to play with. How are you going to tell me no on everything I want to do? Like, why right. am I going to want to keep coming back? The reason you play D&D is to have fun and do the things 
<laughs> I do want my wife just put in there that I want a LARP. Yes, I do want a LARP. Now, LARPing looks fun. It does, dude. Ten years ago, no, I wouldn't. But now that I've been playing D and D this long, it, it sounds like fun. I mean, like I'll be playing with my kids and they'll be running around with a sword, and I gotta fuck them up. You know, they'll try to come at me. It's like whoosh, whoosh. right. Like I, I just want to be the LARPer that shows up as like Star Wars and be like, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm here. You ever see um? You ever see the uh, Star Wars samurai suits? Like where they're all like samurai oh, yeah. looking and they got the mask and stuff. The Boba brutal. Awesome. So let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's get back into uh, what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I can talk all D and D stuff all day um, long. Yeah. So with D and D and coming up with the story, how would you say your growth as you know just the dungeon master has evolved with each and every issue? Like you said, you try to give them room to have fun. How has your experience just being a DM and the growth within that just evolved throughout every single issue? So. Early on, I would take like an entire day before the campaign, like an entire day. And sometimes maybe even like over the course of a week, I'd spend you know eight, 10 hours building this overarching story with these intricate plot lines and all this stuff, right? I would like write an entire session and I would bring it to the table and I'd be very excited for something to happen and they would screw it up. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Every single time. Okay. And we'll, but what it would happen is in the campaign, I would have to readjust my thought process because I'm a methodical person and I pl I'm a planner, right? Like mm -hmm. I, have, I have everything planned for the rest of my month, let alone week, let alone a, a six hour session of gaming, right? So when they would screw up my plan, it would mess me up. My mind would just be screwed and I'd be like, well, what do I do? And after a few sessions, I went to Brad, who had been DMing since he was a kid. He's the one that got me into it. And I said, well, what do I do? You know, like, you guys continually screw this stuff up. And he said, <laughs> well, he goes, how many games have you played with me? I'm like, I don't know. We've been playing for years. You know, like, it's too many to count. He's like, would you believe me if I said I never planned one session? I just had an idea. Really? Yeah, all those sessions that you guys like rave about how fun they were. I just said, hey, this is the situation. You guys ran with it. And then I ran with whatever you were. Running and then you're with. like, dude, I spend like 10, 20 hours yep. on this and you just don't. <laughs> I was so mad. I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me like we have this one game session we played in Mass Effect where we wind up going back in time because our, our campaign took place after a little bit after the games. Mm -hmm. Mass Effect 3 had come out, which kind of screwed with our timeline. And um, he, so he sent us back in time because of some of the dumb things that we did. We actually caused time travel. And he was very mad about this. So <laughs> he was like, all right, well, you end up back in time and you show up right at this massive battle for uh, the third game. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And I remember how chaotic and fun and crazy that entire session was. And I'm like, you didn't have any plans for that entire thing? He goes, no. I'm like, dude, we still talk about that session 10 years later. You didn't plan that? No, I just rolled with you guys figuring, hey, this would happen. This would happen. Mm -hmm. He's like, I have a rough idea of like things that could happen in the game. He's like, but you guys screw everything up every time you play. And he goes, but that's the nature of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. If you play, like, there's there's sessions that are pre-written and you and a DM can funnel you through. But they're written with different options for, to happen. 
yeah. if you're homebrewing a campaign and you're playing off the cuff it's really hard to have like you don't have a group of writers that writes a 600 page book on mm-hmm. story. the homebrew like, I, I see what you did there by the way yeah <laughs> he's like so you, if you have to do all this he said the best way to do it is just come up with an idea let us play with it and then you react to us causing us to react to you and it's a more organic mm-hmm. story so that's what this issue where we are on kickstarter with right now i came in and i said hey this is the situation i built some mechanics for like villains and things um but i was like i'm not putting hours into this i put a couple hours into building some of the enemies for it and that was about it just making sure things were balanced and they had so much fun this session we we still so issue five intestinal fortitude we literally will still reference things that happened in this session three years later because it was that much fun so this Uh, was the one that you uh, did differently compared to the other ones then yeah it really made me grow with my my dm style which Mm -hmm. i think in turn really grows our storytelling ability because i'm not limiting us to this hey i want this to happen I'm opening it up to all chance, all action and reaction, which really creates a, an organic story versus, hey, here's your sandbox. You can play with these certain toys. Just don't mm-hmm. go to that side because I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't mess with that side. You know, I put yeah. dogs over there. Don't go over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just said, hey, let's, let's have fun. And man, did they have fun. Yeah, uh, that's basically how I do my interviews. I used to do uh, indie com or excuse me, indie game developer interviews, and I would plan everything out. I was very on the point with everything, making sure it was scripted and everything. I never went without a script, and I did interview after interview after interview. When I started doing the indie comic interviews, I never scripted anything. I, uh, if anything, I tried to stay as fresh and organic as humanly possible. Like uh, every any sort of reference material i always read an hour before the interview um no more nor less like because i want it to be right then right then and there um so that way i'm able to bring it up uh, you know it's, it doesn't ferment it does you know i'm not overthinking stuff um because for me that's the that's the best way to be organic you know um that's the best way because you're giving me information i'm bouncing it back you're bouncing it back you know we're having an actual conversation here this isn't like you know like you're cut and cut you know cookie cutter interview this is like us just cutting the shit calling it a, a podcast you know what i mean that, that's like my favorite type you get a more organic you know conversation and and D D is just conversing with friends but telling a story at the same time yeah it, yeah it, you know i would tell anybody if you're into any kind of role-playing game you know any kind of role-playing game and I, i'm even talking about call of duty because you take on the role of the guy shooting the gun Mm-hmm. So if you're into really, it's really any kind of video game that you can enjoy. You can find something in D&D that's fun. I've played everything. I have a, a consistent character that I created called David the Gnome. And I would take on different like roles. So when I was a ranger, I was the gnome ranger, you know, kind of like the gnome <laughs> ranger. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have a, a character now where I'm like a halfling rogue that tells, I lie to everybody that I'm really a, a warlock or a wizard and when i stab things i say abracadabra and they really think that i'm using magic but i'm not i just rolled really good <laughs> bullshit stats um so 
you know, when I say you can do whatever you want, I use those characters as an example, as like, I had one character where I said, hey, um, I have really bad ADD. I don't like playing one character. Can I have one character that shape shifts into six different characters at random and they all have different personalities and I never really know what I'm going to do. And my DM was like, why are you doing this to me? But yes. <laughs> and because I did that, it was a, it drove our story in a different direction as well, which those are the things that make D and D so much fun, which is why I think our book stands apart from other books in the superhero genre, because I'm not oblivious. I know the superhero genre is, is saturated beyond belief, right? Mm-hmm. We're not a typical superhero book because my characters aren't superheroes. They have powers. They might do some good things, but they're not heroes. It's a journey. Like, I use superheroes because people see guys in suits mm-hmm. fighting things and they're like, oh, those are superheroes. I'm like, but they don't answer a call. They're on a journey. And that's where it separates. You don't, you don't see them go, hey... The masters of mayhem are causing a yeah. thing. We need to go stop them. It's like, hey, uh, Technetic is paying us to go to Georgia to investigate these supervillains that are causing a problem in a city that's lowering their their uh, return on investment. We need mm-hmm. to go save money. Wait a minute. There's a bigger thing. Oh, they are supervillains. All right. We should just kill them. But no, no, don't, don't arrest them because, yeah. you know, like, hey, guys, don't kill my guys. I want them to come back. You know, I put a lot of work into them. No, we need to kill them. If we don't kill them, it's like Batman and Joker. These guys yeah. are coming, you know? Um, you get just so much more depth in the character when you don't have to pigeonhole them. And that's what you get with, with our, our campaign. You get real-world people because, again, I pitched this to them as you are the character because mm-hmm. a lot of them hadn't role-played in a long time. So if if I just met you, Cody, and I said, hey, we're going to play D&D, and you're like, well, I've never played D&D before, I'm not going to ask you to role-play Chris, because you don't know Chris, you've never been Chris, and it's really hard for you, like if you've never role-played before, to jump in the shoes of someone you don't know. You mm-hmm. don't have acting background, nothing. Well, hey, but you know Cody, right? And you could play yourself in a situation. So, hey, Cody, I want you to be you, but you, this is what happens to you. How do you, how do you handle that? And you can do that. Mm-hmm. Anybody could really do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. This happens to me. Yep, this is how I'd react. Okay, now we can make a story and we can have a lot of fun because it's you, right? And that's what I did with our story to make it fun and enjoyable for my characters, which translates into fun and enjoyable for readers because we don't have to worry about writing a story arc. Yeah. yeah. Right itself. No, I really liked, uh, I like how the evolution of uh, the run has been too. It started off with, uh, well, I think, I believe a bank robbery. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they were learning, they had powers and they stopped a bank robbery and then they move on uh, to fight supervillains. And uh, so what's issue uh, number five? What's the, mm-hmm. the, the main story of that going to be? Because uh, it seems like it just keeps building up higher and higher. Um, so yeah. what, are, what are they going up against uh, in this run? Um. So in this, in issue four, they find this character Bones, who um, I'll go back. In issue three, they they come across these supervillains in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They were investigating a, uh, a, a an abandoned building that had come up on their radar from previous issues. Everything kind of like, it's a rabbit trail. Um, and so what they find in issue three 
they, they escape the building, but they have no closure to what happened to these villains because they really didn't see them die. And they also know that there was some kind of guy remotely dialing in that was causing a bigger problem. Well, their boss, Technetic, you know, comes in and says, well, hey, there's some weird stuff going on in Georgia that sounds similar to what these guys are. You need to go investigate that. So in book four, they're investigating these weird things mm -hmm. across this big, giant, seven foot tall, you know, knight paladin guy who has an energy sword and an energy shield, a guy that looks like a crab and a guy that throws fireballs. And they're like, oh, well, so how did you get made? And they, you come to find out they escaped this testing facility. And they're like, we're not going back, right? We just, we're not going back. We don't want to go back there they both groups think that they're the enemy and they find out real quick wait a minute there's a bigger right. enemy yeah and so in book five they're chasing this bigger enemy and my characters love to think that oh this isn't a big deal we're gonna show up and beat the guys up it's like nope you can't just do that because you've got to go through the facility figure out what's going on and they just uncovered this kind of like a breeding ground for supervillains and the what they what they kind of deal with is what do these villains do when one of their test sub subjects gets loose? You know, it doesn't end pretty for the rest of the test subjects because they got to clean up the mess now. We can't just have a guy running loose, especially a seven foot tall guy that calls on a sword. Yeah, saying, hey, I came <laughs> from that way. You know, mm -hmm. like you got to clean that up. So and, this and this entire campaign though. Uh, it's it's all based on pure uh, luck of the uh, luck of the role, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So all their actions, uh, just how good that actions played out, is determined by the role. And then you also said that you're actively trying to kill them too during this. That's my goal. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the, the, what what would happen if one of their characters die? Would you make some sort of attempt to bring them back, or would would that character just be dead? So um, originally, Caliber died in book one. This is the only retcon we ever did, and it was prior to the book being made mm -hmm. that the retcon happened, so I allowed it to stay in the comic. But I had just finalized the design of Caliber before I did the comic book. I had just drawn him out finally and said, hey, this is what your character looks like. And we played the session, and he goes down. Oh. Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, there's magic that can bring people back to life. There are things that revitalize characters. Mm -hmm. And what he had finalized that Caliber's build was he's immune to magic. He is immune to anything magical. So fireballs have no effect on him. But healing spells have no effect on him. Mm -hmm. So that's why in the end of issue one, if you and anybody that's read it, you see them kind of like wonder why can't we heal this guy? Because even a normal human being, you can use magic on. It's not working on Caliber. There's something else going on with Caliber. And we find out through the progression of the issues. And he, his word is, your bullshit doesn't work on me. I don't believe in magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's the opposite of Disney. And um, so we, I remember he died. And we argued. And I'm like, dude, you can't die. I just finalized your freaking character. We did a rebuild on this character four different times. I spent two weeks. Well, I'm like, I'm not killing you. Yeah. I was like, DM call. Some bullshit in the world happens, and you're back to life. Yeah. Get the paddles ready. Right. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I have seen people come. I've 
personally been declared dead three times. My heart has stopped three times in my life. And I was, I use that as my argument. I'm like, if I can die three times, dude, you can die three times. We're good. <laughs> and um, he was like, no, 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 no. I'll just roll, roll a new character. I said, Brad, I'm not doing this shit with you again. Like, you're, you're not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you're either you're coming back as Colin or you're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It became an argument. And finally, it was like, fine, fine, fine. And so that was the only character that I've come close to dying. Um, but when we introduced Bones, Bones is a healer class. So some of my other characters, they do go down. And you see, especially Spectre in the earlier stages of the game and in the comic, he goes down quite a bit because he's usually the first one to try and jump into combat because mm -hmm. he's a warlock. And they're like glass cannons. They do a lot of damage, but they take a lot of damage. And so Bones was is able to heal people when he remembers that he has that ability. Um, and then later on, Boulder also goes down quite a bit. And actually, we played two weeks ago, and Boulder was, in D&D, there's this thing called death saves. So when you hit zero health points, you can roll to try and stabilize. Mm -hmm. So you have a chance to save your character. Well, Boulder succeeded, so he, he was stabilized. <laughs> and the team comes in to save him last minute. But, you know, yes, I, I actually said in the group chat, I was like, hey, um, I'm going to ask before I do this, but he's down. I can kill him. I can coup de crawl him. I can do a lot of things. And it became an argument. No, you can't kill our friend. And, uh, and that's the kind of the, the really cool part. So this last session we just played, you know, we're three years in, right? And we had an argument, a 30-minute argument over killing a character because they were so invested in their friend. Yeah. And the words weren't, hey, you can't just kill Boulder because, he, you know, fans like him. The, the words were, no, even if this was like the whole pitch on this is what would we do in real life? And Brad was like, I would not let you kill my friend. Yeah. You're not going to kill my friend. And I thought that was really cool because now it's like transcended this D&D &D thing. It's like, no, we're not killing my friend. I'm not going to watch him die on paper. So earlier you said you kind of like being the one in control of stuff. Like, how, how does this work against that? You know, you wanting to, to do what you want to do, but having to ultimately, you know, give in a little bit. How has that, uh, you know, caused growth for you over the years? I've changed what I want. And what I want is my players to have fun because I want us to have a fun story. Mm -hmm. Instead of me wanting to achieve a story goal, I like to achieve a, like, I call it a friendship goal. I like, I like to know they enjoy what they're doing. And so as long as they're having fun, I'm fine. Story can go any direction we want. It's, it's done some things I would have never intended, um, like fighting a kaiju. Um, that was never even meant to happen. Uh, I let Brad guest DM one session and he put a freaking kaiju in it. So now I have to draw a kaiju at some point. <laughs> um, and it's all because Austin's obsessed with Godzilla. So he gave him what he wanted. But um, like, as long as they're having fun. So I just changed my goal. You know, my goal is to create a mm -hmm. fun story. How do you do that? You have your players have fun. Um, so in, in real world, I'm a boss. I have. <laughs> A hundred and something employees, and if you want work to go well, you have to have happy employees. Yeah. So, the same thing goes with you know my comic. If I want my story to be fun and enjoyable, the guys writing it need to have fun and be enjoying what they're doing. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one last question before we dive into your tears: um, How are you able to take you know 
what happens in your campaigns and like you're just your your uh your players like take that and put that on paper um you know you you say that this campaign's been going on for three years you got six uh six issues out you know how are you able to condense that time into just these single issues ah uh, that's a good question so i record everything and i actually started recording the second session on because i, I knew early on i was going to draw these things and i needed references um so i record everything on my ipad or on my phone and when i get and we're 36 issues right at like 36 issues written so i have quite a bit recorded when i go in to start so you're, you're like issue six right now and you have like 30 more to go uh well i think we've planned right at like 40 dang 40. okay yeah. that's um, awesome it will end it will have a, a definite ending mm -hmm. to the story we've decided we will end this series and move on to something else you know we there's so many things we can do um i'll go into a little bit of the end game a little bit you know in a minute but i record everything and then when i'm, when I'm at the gym when i'm driving sometimes when i'm just sitting here drawing i'm listening to the session mm -hmm. and that reminds me because I'm, i forget so many things that did happen because i can remember the big things but some of the little things will bleed in and like oh man i need to keep that that was cool um and so i, I storyboard out my pages while listening to our session and it's six hours and there's usually about an hour and a half to two hours of us talking about what we did for that month our kids our wives our jobs mm -hmm. our hobbies um you know we'll sometimes you know real world events get brought up things we don't want in the book because we play to get away from those things yeah. um so I'll filter out that and I'll storyboard the session. Sometimes some of our personal talks are so hilarious that I put that in there as banter because that's how you get real conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, after I storyboard it through, I'll send it to the guys and I'll say, hey, what do you guys think of this? We'll tweak a few things, go back and forth, and then I'll finalize the pages, you know, sit there and spend a week drawing two or three different pages. And then I'll just start the process over and over again until we're done with the book. When the book's done, I have most of the dialogue when I'm when I'm sketching it out. I'll write the dialogue that we've said into the bubbles. Like I'll just write it out. So the dialogue's and pretty much taken word for word. Most of it, yes. And That's we'll, awesome. we'll, then we'll we'll go in. We'll, we'll fix some of it because sometimes you know a player will drop out, like especially remotely. They might come back mm -hmm. in and just they won't say anything or their reaction to a situation isn't what it should be because they were missing for a few minutes or something like that. And so we'll do some edits with that. And then we go to the whole team because it's me, Brad and Terrell that really are the core uh, comic team. Then we bring it to everybody and say, okay, read your lines, make sure this is something your character would say, you know, we give them, give them a minute because when we're playing that you're, you're in the moment, right? But if you could go back and say something different, how would you, oh, you know, Austin's really bad about this. Do you, do, so do you think, do you think it's harder to do this campaign knowing that it's going to be scripted into a comic book? We decided like, we would not let the comic influence the game. Okay. I gotcha. Um, because we started to, there was a lot of talks like, oh, well, this is going to show up in the comic book. I don't want this to happen. It's like, no, 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 no. We, we started this game without the idea of the comic book and it was fun and now the comic book is fun because we were having fun mm -hmm. 
don't let one influence the other or else the magic is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes from me playing music. Um, you know, when I was, when I was writing music, I always wrote just to enjoy what I was writing have fun. And, you know, I was, I never wrote because, Oh, this band's doing that. I want to mm -hmm. do that. When you start writing what you think people want is when you lose those people, right? They liked what you wrote when you were alone in your yep. basement, bored out of your mind. They don't want you to write for them. They want you to write for you. Yeah. And so I continually tell the guys, don't play the game with the idea of what the fans want, right? When we're at the table and we're playing, what matters is what we want. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we can make ourselves happy and there's seven of us and involved, if we have seven people that like what we're doing, well, that's. 10 people additional per that's yeah. another 70 people and that just bleeds out right so as long as we like it we're good and so, so yeah yeah basically it sounds like you guys just got a DD campaign with a comic book on top yes yeah originally we were gonna do a source book similar to one of these instead that was the original idea was hey let's release a source book of this material and then um we'll release the the, the comic book like when i did the comic oh we'll just release like an issue to like show some of the characters and the comic book kind of overtook that idea mm -hmm. no, so cool. and our end goal now is to finish this comic book and then the world that our comic book leaves off on is the world that players will be able to create a game in so then we'll release the game okay no that that's really cool so you're going to do like a whole bunch of world building over 40 issues um mm -hmm. and then have the source book afterwards so everyone who's read everything is they're just fully immersed in it that yeah that that's insane um you know as a as a kid i grew up on star wars actually everybody in our group except for austin um grew up on star wars it's a thread that connects all of us mm -hmm. and the, what i thought was cool was you know in the 90s george lucas the reason we have all these cool books that you see on my shelf and even over here George Lucas opened up Star Wars, the universe, to other people to create things within the universe. And they would have to submit them. Like every book that you read before Disney took over was submitted. Yeah. Like the it was a script that was submitted to George Lucas, and he would say, Yeah, that's cool. We'll keep that. Or no. And he even made edits to some of these books mm -hmm. and said, Well, this wouldn't happen, right? And that's kind of what we want to be able to do is open up our world to other people and say, Hey, have fun in our world. And then we kind of will be able to sift through and say, yeah, that can canonically happen in our universe now. And then we have people building stories in our universe, which is what D&D really is, because you see all these homebrewed stories that happen mm -hmm. within D&D. We want to be an out like, you know, another version of that um, and give people this superhero world that's like a mix of D&D &D with modern world and, you know, our own little mix on it. And there's there's no better way to get people interested in what you're doing than put it all into 40 issues and build yeah. everything for them and say hey now it's your sandbox have fun no that that's so awesome uh it has to be i don't even know indescribable to have like this planned out 40 issues and then have a source book with like your own expanded universe like that's that's just insane um now speaking of that let's go ahead let's dive into your tiers so if you want to go ahead and share your screen i'll pull that up yeah so we'll go over the campaign again sorry about that but i'm sure no problem. quick uh, congratulations for doubling your uh, your goal uh Thank that's you. yeah that's awesome uh so how fast did you get this funded 
26 minutes. Wow. Were you expecting that? No, no. Um, <laughs> I actually had a minor panic attack asking for 1500 My campaigns have never exceeded $750 because um, our first venture on Kickstarter failed. I had asked for 1500 I didn't really need 1500 I just did some market research and everything said ask for $1,500. Um, so coming off of a, you know my first campaign never failing, when I did the math on this, uh, I was like, I really need a little bit more. Luckily, I had some some left over from a campaign previously. I was like, well, 1500 is what we're going to have to ask for to make this happen just mm -hmm. because of the sheer um, volume this book is. It's 50 pages um, just for one issue. How, how uh, many pages were your other issues? The highest I've ever done is 32 pages. So, yeah, and this is a, 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 a almost like a fourth more. Well... This is two books in one. Um, book six was a very heavy dialogue book with more story story building mm -hmm. than um, I wanted to put in a single issue. Oh, most you of you what happened. You started, you started cutting out was again. Just all this. Oh, sorry. What happened with book six was it was going to be mostly dialogue based, and. Um, I said, well, I can't, I can't have just a book of dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, I consolidated it down and I turned it into an epilogue for this book because it's a very heavy action book. So closing with a few, like a, you know, 10 pages of, of closure, right? Mm -hmm. Made sense because you have 20 pages of just action. Yeah. So yeah. Pages of like, oh, this is happening and this is happening. And these are the moving pieces. Okay, we can do that with an epilogue. I didn't want to come back in June with book six. Oh, this awesome book about them talking about business. <laughs> um, so I consolidated that and said I'd rather pitch a 50-page book that has closure and really like closing out this chapter. And so um, when I did the math, though, I have a colorist, you know, Cristiano Cruz comes in and colors all this stuff. And I said, I can't. I can't short him. He's doing almost two books in one. Yeah, and, and the, the coloring in, in uh, the issue looks phenomenal, too. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, he is yeah, great. Because you had a nice uh, sa uh, samples from uh, issue zero, issue one, issue two, and you could see the progression of the coloring through each of the each of the pages. So I'll go down here to uh, the, the pages. Well, first, I do want to show these off because this is I love our covers. Yeah. Uh, Mo, who did this, Mo Lubison actually was a fan art first he submitted a fan art to me for book two which i then turned into a cover and i've brought him on since for all of my standard standard covers are always done by him uh we have two Isn't that crazy how that started out as just fan art too yep and he's been drawn since like the mid 90s and so um I brought him on. and then robert nix is a, an artist i just really fell in love with his style it's this mix of American with Western, it's like manga style, but not. It's very exaggerated action scenes. And so I pitched him on book four. I said, hey, I want our, you know, I have this, uh, we have a cat in the book, uh, Samedi. Oh, I and, love the cat. Yeah, the cat's awesome. Well, he's an alcoholic, cigar smoking, top hat wearing, sarcastic prick. That's so he's a, he's a, is he he's able to control things with his mind it looked like or uh was i misled yeah. 
he he can speak telepathically to um specter he he has his own power set but he only comes in when he has to he is mm. a support so how he works mechanically for the story is he bestows power onto specter okay uh, he's almost like a green lantern ring or something like that to where gotcha. when he's present specter has access to more powers than he mm -hmm. would if the cat wasn't um and so in book four though we had just introduced the cat to specter recently in the story and playing D, &D you know as your character grows there's more stuff on a piece of paper that you have to remember to do and mm -hmm. he forgot the cat so when i was writing the story i was like hey uh you know by book four people want to know where samedi is they like samedi like he's he's a fan favorite by now and i was writing on my like, guys we have a problem Spectre doesn't use Samedi. And I so I called Austin. I said, Hey, why didn't you use Samedi in this book? Like, give me a reason. He goes, He was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a I had a scene where the cat gets drunk. So I, I asked Robert, I said, Hey, can you have a scene where um the cat gets drunk? And he did this this phenomenal cover for that book. And so I brought him back with this one and I pitched Robert the idea. I said, Hey, there's a scene where Boulder's screaming. The cream is sour do not devour he had bad tacos and so um i just gave him that and i said i just want this very emotional epic scene having to do with tacos mm -hmm. we came up with this we had bounced some ideas back and forth and this was what we finally we got on. uh craig from the chat saying he uh loves a partner or sidekick that actually gives powers versus an item and i, I have to agree i think I really like to take it almost gives me um what is it dexter uh the the red lantern cat uh yep. Where they tied him up in a bag, threw him in the river. It almost mm -hmm. gives me that vibe, um, in a, in a sense, just because it's like a, a super you know powered cat. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I didn't actually know about Dexter until after Samedi was made, <laughs> and I was like, well, because I never you know I had a, I did a live once where I was talking about things and somebody said stop ripping off um, uh, Dragon Ball Z. And I was like, you know, I've seen a few episodes. I, I actually, and I, I might get crucified for this one. I don't, I do not like Dragon Ball Z. It's uh, uh, mm. a lot of, a lot of filler. And I've watched the, the abridged version where you really cut out all the, yeah, all the BS. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. But I never yeah, even knew better. that. Um, I guess and like so when, you're, was, when you're like nine or ten though, and you're watching that filler, you're like, "Fuck yeah, go Super Saiyan right. for five episodes." But I'm I'm <laughs> the guy now that like you know I, I I might get crucified for this one too. I'm at the age where not and I don't I mean age, but a part of my life where I'm so busy with everything else, I can't even play games on hard anymore. I want to just play them on easy so I can get through the story and I can enjoy <laughs> the game. And I had this talk with one of my friends recently. He was like, "Hey, so." this game came out and he's like I'm, I, I hate to say it but i played it on easy and i'm like what do you mean he goes i just feel ashamed like i should be playing it on hard i'm like nah we just don't have time for it anymore yeah i want to be able to accomplish everything in life i can't spend six hours on the same set you know um and that's how i feel yeah, about do, do not play Elden ring <laughs> i can't i don't i don't like being punished for playing two games um but you know going into like how some of that fit into this you know we I really wanted to dive into some of the the D&D style and we are heavily manga influenced. Um, Boulder, literally when I asked how he wanted to create his character, he said, I want to be Eddie Murphy that turned into All Might. You know, that's how he described his character. And even Bones, 
like when I asked him about like his character play style, he said, I want to be like somebody from seven deadly sins. Um, you know, so we don't, the only character I think that is based on American comics is, is reach. And that was because reach gave me full control to develop this character. And I was like, I really like forge from X-Men. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of Forge, who's this background style character, which would reach because of his availability to play. He would be a background character, and I was like, that'd be really cool. Fits fits, you know, what what uh, uh, Obi likes to do in real life. Anyway, he's a tech mm-hmm. freak, and so I said, cool. We have one character based off of American comics. The rest are all manga, anime based, which is really where these guys come in. Uh, my enemies. You know this this cover right here by the way these two are foil covers on the kickstarter so um i cannot wait to actually hold them in my hands and oh foil yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah i've got like foil covers somewhere i think i have one right here for book four and my printer does like a really phenomenal job yeah that's foil. cool but um yeah so, so those are the covers for book five and what I'll also show you the uh, trade paperback because I just got the artwork finalized for that. So are you going to be doing some sort of like graphic novel at any point where you're putting all these into just one reading, like, you know, one book? That's what this is right here. Okay. Hey. Yep. <laughs> you led that <laughs> in. Speak the devil. <laughs> so, you know, in issue zero, we see them going to work for the first time. They get powers at work. Um, their employer knows they have powers and most of the first chapter is them being employed as as heroes you know i really and i'm sorry to interrupt you but i love this like the, the front covers them like when they're starting out and then the, the end looks like them in their their costumes mm-hmm. they're actually that, looking yeah, in the mirror yep. yeah that's so awesome dude that yeah that's really cool um so this is again mo lubison he loves our stuff and what's really cool is mo is from another country and there is very little the uh, translation there. He, he understand, we, we understand each other fine. We've done lives together. He's, he's a great guy. He's um, been doing comics since the 90s. And his style, to me, just fit what I wanted, which was that 90s kind of exaggerated comic book style. And so even though my artwork isn't like that, it fits the tone very well. So um, I, I just absolutely loved what he did with that cover, being able to have the... Um, the mirror image of the characters because you'll see in issue zero they're not in costume until middle to the end this you know it starts off with them in a a board meeting Mm -hmm. you know they they're they're literally in their first it's their first day on the job and they're going through the orientation meeting and an explosion happens there's an attack we don't get closure to this by the way until much much later in the series you find out who actually attacked them um because I don't, I, I really didn't want to explain that for a long time. I wanted to leave it open ended, and well, you then you got to give them a reason to come back too, right? It will. I from day one, I had in mind what I wanted to end with, given it's changed clearly because of D and D and how things work. But I was able to keep intact my original core idea throughout three years of them screwing everything up. So. Um, this which that's pretty went, remarkable yeah thank god because <laughs> i give and I, i'm when i'm thinking about a long-term lasting story i had to be loose with my ideas to allow them to evolve because if you get really hard on things 
um, it makes it really hard to adjust in case of change. Mm -hmm. But I left this so loose that the idea was able to stay intact. And I've, I've actually really enjoyed that. We talked about that recently, how I don't have to change my ending that I had in the very beginning. Um, and so issue zero, you see them as normal everyday people in the very end, you do see them on their first heroic adventure in new, in their original suits that I drew, which were not great. And then <laughs> at the very, very end, there's a, another board meeting where they're talking about their new suits and they make fun of the old suits and how the new suits are not, you know, That's like almost like a throwback of Deadpool making fun of uh, himself being Green Lantern. Yes. There's a <laughs> lot of like pop culture. And one thing that I, I love about our series is, um, we have so many of those references that you can go, Oh, that's like this, or that's like this. And uh, some creators get really upset when you say, this reminds me of this. I'm the exact opposite. If you tell me, Hey, this reminds me of this. I've done something right because we're our entire story is heavily influenced by everything else that we've experienced in life. Mm -hmm. The reasons we are able to enjoy it is because we have that reference in our head. So, I always like the idea that our pop culture references are there because you might not know crit, but you know, and I'll, I think there's the scene that I put in here. Um, I didn't put it on this. I should have kick, kick myself later at the end of book three. We have a scene from the other guys, which actually played out at the table. We were running over on time. An explosion was happening in this building. And I said, guys, you know, what do you do? Well, Spectre can teleport, so Spectre teleports his way out of the building. Mm -hmm. Reach has the ability. He has, like, booster boots. He's like, I'm going to fly out. I'm like, well, that leaves Boulder and Caliber, and Caliber has no superpowers. And, you know, Boulder, he's just a, a strong guy. Like, he's a Captain America. You know, he can't fly. He can jump high. He can survive. Mm -hmm. So they, they uh, so in the game, I said, well, what are you guys going to do? You got, like, five seconds. The building's about to blow up. Brad puts on the table the scene from the other guys where it goes, aim for the bushes. <laughs> so when it came to the book and we're sitting there and I'm like, you know, what are we going to do with the ending? And Brad was like, you gotta, you gotta use aim for the bushes. And so I put it in there. I modified some of the song lyrics so we don't get sued. And you see them jumping at, they literally look at each other like, Hey, what do we do? And there's, there's only one thing we can do aim for the bushes. And they just jump right at the building. And somebody that doesn't know crit though can relate to that scene. Yeah, and yeah. now all of a sudden, oh, I like this because it's it's comfortable. And a lot of our book is fun and comfortable. Um, and also in book two, you see this guy who clearly rips off Caliber's suit from book zero. By the way, mm -hmm. he just stole it from a from a um, a cargo ship and becomes Caliber in his own way. Um, book three, we introduce our villains. Um, this guy you would see in issue one. This is the same guy that's actually right here, just unmasked, and he's fatter because his actual superpower is he absorbs kinetic energy. And the fight starts off this with uh, Caliber throwing grenades at him. Well, he doesn't expend the kinetic energy between books one and two. So in book three, he gets fat because that kinetic energy is like calories to his body. Yeah. And unused turns to fat. So he becomes a fat guy. <laughs> and in real life, this is the DM that I made so mad that he closed the book and never came back. <laughs> oh, that's so you got you got a little throwback to him in there. Yeah, he always told me he was trained as a sumo samurai. 
That's what he told me. And I'm like, dude, and you, you're, you're like, dude, you're so full of shit right now. <laughs> you couldn't even bend over to the floor. Um, and then we go into issue four where you do get to see them again in their uh, work suits because they're at work. You know, they're investigating a scene for their boss. Mm-hmm. And in good fashion, they crash the van just like they do in every other book because Caliber hates, you know, having nice things. So our tiers, um, you can get a digital copy individual you know if you if you've collected the other ones you can pick up a digital copy for three bucks and for anyone that's interested we do have the kickstarter link in the description so if you're watching on youtube you're able to check that out right now and get the digital uh three dollars um act fast six bucks if you want to get all the books if you want to catch up on all of them we go that's that's not bad at all that's like a a dollar a piece almost yeah um they're on my website for a dollar a piece i really don't with digital copies really don't cost anything for us and i would rather get the story out i'm not a yeah. guy that out here trying to make a ton of money i just want to be able to pay for the hobby and keep it going um so you know the standard standard covers right here we have um, you know i've showed the the r off on those all of these will come with a mini poster set the standard cover mini posters as a stretch goal we just unlocked additional mini posters for everybody as well so you'll get digital and physical in this tier. So, you know, you'll get the digitals first for people that don't really let some collectors don't even like opening the books. So that way they can keep them sealed and they can still read them. These deluxe editions, they have additional artwork. So on the villain book, we have some of the villain um, uh, like designs that I had done previously. I have some of the fan art on the hero side. Same thing. Some of the original designs for the heroes that never made it as well as um there's going to be some commentary by me at the very end um that i just i wrote up as a thank you for everyone that has invested time and energy into the book so there's things that i would love to tell everybody all the time and not everybody gets to check my lives out so um you know some of the stuff similar to how how it is to be a dungeon master turning you go uh live mostly on uh the, the facebook page i do instagram live i well my schedule right now I do two or three of these. Actually, yesterday I did two YouTube shows. Today I'm doing one. I got one on. Is the YouTube Thursday. show is the um, the the Pharaohs one, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, I so do. I have all those social medias linked in the description as well. So if you guys want to check out his live stream, uh, be sure to sub to his YouTube. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, we have every single social media uh, platform that he has listed on the website in the description. Quite a bit of them too. Thank you. <laughs> um, but when I'm not doing Kickstarters, or if I don't have like an interview scheduled, I'll just go live on my own Instagram and just, I call it shoot the crit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talk about the book. And there's nothing better than getting on there and just, you know, talking about something I'm passionate about. It's pretty catchy too. <laughs> I didn't, I can't take that <laughs> with it. Um, so for a while we've been talking about introducing the game. And so we've got levels one through five, very balanced for the characters. So if you are a D&D fan and you'd like to create your own character, we've got the ready to roll set, which does come with the character sheets and a basic rule set. So that's 15 bucks. You'll be able to get the book. You'll get your own custom D6 die, which have character faces on all of them. You'll get a sticker pack the mini posters, as well as you'll get custom character sheets. So they're made just for the art game. And Righteous Hero Bundle, you get the um, foil cover and you get the standard cover, both hero covers of the book with a t-shirt. And you'll get the which this t-shirt, season one t-shirt, custom D20 on the front. Yeah. 
And the shirt itself, if you add it on, it's twenty five bucks. If I, if I remember correctly, so I mean that you're getting the, the book and the shirt. You get the shirt basically, you know, the comics for free at that point. Exactly. I, I really didn't want to, t- you know, make a ton of money on this. And I, if I order in bulk, I, I really save some, and that mm-hmm. transitions into savings for other people as well. Uh, so, some people want to do a physical catch up. Some people want to read all in one book. You know, there's different types of readers and collectors out there. So depending on who you are, you can do either one. You can do both. You can add this onto anything. Um, so you can do the trade paperback by itself. You can get all six books, however you like to read. I want to make it accessible for everybody. And then we have our two like high dollar tiers. One is all four books with the trade paperback and the t-shirt. Pretty much everything um, minus some of the D&D stuff and then the critical role so uh i still have in design right now i'm waiting for the i've kicked back the design a couple times for the figure but i have a caliber figure being made and it is a it's actually a a small statue he's up against the wall with bullet holes penetrated through the through the thing that's cool Uh, that why 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 caliber i did boulder last time so boulder i gotcha or had his own uh, okay and so with book five, I wanted to do Caliber, and then I'll do one every single uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, I wasn't sure that, be- that was like a, a tribute, uh, because you said he died and then you had to bring him back, like a little bit of a retcon. So I wasn't sure if that was like a, a little throwback to it or not. Nope. So everybody's going to eventually have something. We were going to do a statue for Spectre, or for um, you know, the cat, but he has his own little stuff. I now. love the plushie. The plushie is awesome, dude. I had to have it. Um, yeah. <laughs> It cost me way more than it probably should have, but it was so worth it. Um, so this tier, you know, that comes with everything in everything that we have in Kickstarter is there. Plus you get the caliber figure. Um, that's probably the, and it, those are only printed for the Kickstarter. Those won't come anytime mm-hmm. after. We got add-ons too. So if you missed out on book four and you like to collect cards, we've got the whole collector card set, which I have right here. Um, you know, you, get those they're all designed kind of like with the D theme as well so those are on there the villain cards were just unlocked as a stretch goal so everyone will get those as a physical if you want to add on any additional covers you know if you think your friends or family would like it and you want to pick up an additional book you can do that and then i do have you know back issues for any tier so if, in case you just want to add them on you can and then of course you can get your own plushie i these came at a high <laughs> I, uh, I was gonna I say 35 bucks doesn't seem like too bad of a price at all no um i still have quite a few left i ordered a, i ordered in bulk because i have a couple of comic cons this year that i wanted mm-hmm. to be able to have them at and kind of what happened to me people got theirs and they were like hey my kid took it as soon as i opened it so <laughs> i some of them want replacements um and then you know into the end of this i just want to introduce my team you know there's me there's my colorist cristiano he is a godsend he really brings everything to life here's brad and terrell interesting fact brad in real life knows seven different forms of martial arts and he is a, a marksman shooter he is uh he's placed like top in the state so so he could basically be his character yeah um actually he's he told me he's trying to lose weight now and get back in shape so he could because he does he still takes um he's working on creating his own form of martial arts he's working with two other instructors instructor. oh, that's really cool yeah some things and in real life, Terrell's actually a uh, Olympic class wrestler. So he, um, in college, qualified for the Olympics. 
and he holds like two or three different titles in the state of North Carolina still, which is impressive. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, that's wild. Your team is very impressive. They they all seem like they can whip my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, those two guys maybe. Uh, <laughs> Reach uh, Obi in real life is like the short guy, and he, he you know he actually used to be a power lifter, which is funny. Um, and he's he's put on a little bit of weight, so I asked him. I was like, hey, when I do the book, can I make you fat? He was like, of course, you make me fat. That's cool. Um, and then Austin actually works for PAX, so he does. He goes around. He does um, cosplay professionally. Um, does he have a cat? He he actually does have a cat in real life. Yeah, I paid attention. <laughs> yeah, so he loves cats. He just you know he's allergic to them. I'm and allergic to says, cats um, as well too. <laughs> um, so this is Ryan Kidd, his character Bones, which we kind of talk about a little bit of his background in the book, but. In real life, he has brittle bone syndrome, similar to uh, Sam Jackson's character from um, Glass. Glass. Yeah. So when we were making the character of Bones, his background is when he was experimented on with this magical energy, it reacted with his disease, uh, causing his body to overcompensate for his brittle bones, making them bigger and stronger, causing him to grow to like seven foot tall. Okay massive hulking thing which also plays into some of the character's flaws and weaknesses where he's actually afraid like he wears this big heavy armor he really doesn't need to he had he does have a lot of natural um like density to him now because of mm -hmm. his magic abilities but because he went his whole life like afraid to break a bone right that even though he knows now his body's overcompensated for that he's lived 30 years so he's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm wearing heavy armor. I'm wearing, I'm, I have a shield, you know, like mm -hmm. that it's still in his head that he could break a bone at any time. Yeah, which is interesting for a character that can is our tank, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's our team, and uh, you know, definitely check it out. I appreciate everyone that has backed um, the Kickstarter. If you've checked Crit out before, you know that um, I'm all about giving back to people, and. Um, I say this, you know, book one, it, it failed on Kickstarter. I had a friend of mine who invested in us. He hit me up on Facebook and said, how much do you need? And he's independently wealthy. He paid for it. I went to everybody on Kickstarter that had backed book one and I sent them a free book. That's I, awesome. I just said, hey, thank you for believing in the project. And a lot of them have continually come back for more books. So I bet that move right there definitely was one of those saving grace moves i bet every single one that got the free copies like we're staying with this guy because of this that was like my hope was to show them that this isn't me I, i've seen creators that they go back to kickstarter um you know there's there's some poor practices one is create a second profile to launch another title and that's not me that's not my team we are 100 percent dedicated to our books mm -hmm. and i would rather make just enough to pay for the book and you know maybe a little bit of side stuff then uh take a profit yes yeah, yeah. You know, and i could definitely always pays for itself is awesome i could definitely always respect someone who who's willing to do that you know for my craft as well if i can get that product to you cheaper and get it in your hands i'd rather do that than make a buck off of it because for me um word of mouth you can't really put a price on that you know i i would make more from you telling your friends about it instead of getting that dollar from the sale. Yeah, my end goal is just to get crit in as many hands as possible. And, uh, you know, 
last time we did about 126 backers. I know March is a, is a much tougher month to launch a book in. I found that out the hard way. Um, so I'm hoping we can break 100 backers this time. That'd be nice. Cool thing is a lot of new backers. Uh, we have a lot of people that came back for this book and brought their friends, which is kind of cool. There, the, the tier with the new books has done very well. So blessed to have funded in 26 minutes. Now that blessing goes on to everybody else because they're getting free stuff every time we unlock yeah. something. That, that, yeah, that is so yep. awesome. So At I think 3,500, we are going to be unlocking the... Um, the next tier which is pins and stickers Ooh. so you know we do have a, a sticker pack on a few of them i'm doing additional stickers for this and collector pins and if we hit four thousand dollars in this campaign we will add in four additional pages from our side story called mr wizard and friends which is a story that takes place within the crit universe it is a uh, like a pop culture like tv show that occurs it's actually another DD campaign that we played that i thought would be funny and it's even more over the top than this is and uh as a as a description people ask me well how is that campaign it ends with um justin, B justin bieber is the devil and he has taken over australia and ends in a wrestling match in australia <laughs> is now the portal to hell and uh, Randy Savage comes up out of hell at the very end to save our heroes. Justin Bieber, let me tell you something, brother. Exactly. And he, I mean, it is a wrestling match in the pool. Let's that go, hell. dude. And if you've um, ever been to Australia, you know why I use that as my setting for the portal for hell. No, that, that, that is perfect. Well, I think we've come to uh, the end of our episode. So let's go ahead and get up to a closer screen up. With uh, the last final touches for, um, you know, you got 17 days left to go. They say the last week is is one of your heavy hitters. So you surely could hit that $4,000 goal. With that in mind, what would you say to anyone who's on kind of just on the fence about backing your project? Um, if you could give them anything to kind of just help pushing them over that edge. I can, uh, I can tell you this. You won't read a more fun story than Crit. And... If you're on the edge and you're like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna like this series or not, the books, the digital books are a dollar on my website. If you if you want to check it out, you can invest a dollar and see if it's worth mm -hmm. your time. Um, they all they all have their own storyline. You know, you, you can pick up anywhere you want and not feel jarred or lost. You will get more information the earlier you start, but if you want to pick up just book four alone and say, hey, what is this like? it's a buck on our website you know it's a quick investment to see if it's something that you might like and then you can go to the kickstarter you can message me and say hey I, i'm on the fence i'm the kind of guy that i might just even throw you a free copy of book one hey well it looks like we just copy. got a pledge right now uh, it looks like you just pushed someone over the edge as oh, we were speaking I, I so whoever whoever just pledged, yeah, shout out craig in the chat yeah craig thank you so much for coming in and checking the book out i appreciate that um, hell yeah hell yeah I, man I, the feedback I always get about Crit is it's a fun ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't try to be anything more than that. So if you're looking just for a fun book to enjoy, we're the series. And a big thing I tell people, and I, I've talked to quite a, a few people in the indie community, they're always afraid of like, well, are you going to come back with more books? And even if we don't fund a campaign, I'll just continue drawing because I'm so dedicated anyway. Yeah. And my friends tell everyone I'm the most hard-headed person you'll meet. So <laughs> I'm going to continue shoving this stuff down people's throats, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, it's your passion. You, you. The thing is, your passion's never going to take off 
unless you're the one that provides the fuel like you have to be the one that pushes it and i think you're doing an outstanding job um now with that being said come to my favorite part of the show i always love asking this one question and that is if uh you had to give any sort of advice to anyone who's new in the industry who's kind of struggling getting off the ground with their comic or their idea what sort of advice would you give them to help them push through it there's a few things one plan everything don't I, I made the mistake in the beginning of just cold launching stuff i launched my first kickstarter campaign without even an instagram account uh, <laughs> and really don't be afraid to fail you know my first book which i showed you the artwork for earlier mm -hmm. my wife looked at my first book that is currently unreleased and said it's okay i'd known the woman <laughs> for 15 years i had literally chased my wife for 11 years I was friend zoned for 11 years. That's how infatuated I was with this woman. And to have her tell me after three, almost four years of marriage, the one thing I had put three months into was just You're probably like, oh. it was soul crushing. You're like, okay. <laughs> so we failed the Kickstarter. My wife said it was just okay. I could have given up. I, the next day I just went on with it. And hey, I, you know, shout out to her though. Cause if it wasn't for her saying it was just okay, that might not have fueled you enough to want to make it better you know exactly don't don't let don't let anybody dissuade you from pursuing it and um the last piece of advice is you don't know what kind of community the indie comics community is there are mm -hmm. for every one person that might be a jerk there are 10 people that are willing to help you a lot of this community wants to see more books succeed because um and I will say, I've had one person say that they saw me as competition. And the, my, I have a group of guys, the Savage Sandbox, which if you watch the Phalanx, that's our, our group. Mm -hmm. We're all independent creators that come together to help each other out. And we offer help to people even outside of our group. There was a, a message was sent to me that there is another group of creators that saw us as competition. And I messaged them and said, hey we are no one's competition my only competition is my book previous that's it i don't look at anybody else and say that you might do fifty thousand dollars on kickstarter you could beat me in every number possible i don't care just as long mm -hmm. as our community is doing well and there are a lot of us like that that just want to see everybody do well because the better our community does the more eyes that will go there the more people will get away from reading the repetitive comic books yep. that come out from marvel and dc not knocking any of those titles there are some good ones but let's face it there is more passion in the indie comic community so lean on it learn yeah. as much as you can from your peers because you guys don't you, have, have different stories yeah, you guys don't don't have that name brand you don't have dc or marvel behind so you have to work harder to get noticed and that's what's been a big part of what i've been doing um with my show you know i i was a podcast where i just covered dc and marvel comics and you know talk about the news and then i uh, started off uh doing indie comic interviews and just learning about the passion and everything that goes into it is so motivating and and it just it stuck you know it stuck with me like giving you know those without a voice or uh you know a, a loud voice as someone like on dc you know more of a platform to get their work out there because at the end of the day getting your work out there is going to help sell it you know yeah you could have you could have gold but if no one knows you have gold you know, no one's going to read it. That's the end goal is just to get more and more eyes on our stuff and everybody's stuff. And that that's the goal. So just don't be discouraged. It's a big world out there. 
I always, people have asked me what I think a failure is and a failure is the person who gives up. You know, you're never a failure if you're still continuing on and pursuing something that you enjoy. Um, you know, it takes five years for a business to kick off. And that's one thing people kind of forget is once you start collecting money for your hobby, it is now a business. Yeah. So think about that. Give yourself a five-year window. If you're not taking off in five years, maybe you want to rethink some things. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. Todd McFarlane never gave up. You just got to push harder, you know? You got, yep. And sometimes you got to push harder in a different area. The biggest inspiration I ever had was I watched a YouTube video where Todd McFarlane said he was working at Marvel. He was working on a book. He was drawing it. And he got a rejection letter from Marvel. And he went down to that floor and said, hey, you rejected me, but I work upstairs. Like, I'm currently working for your company and you rejected me. Like, imagine how much that, how that felt, right? So don't let anybody dissuade you from doing your dreams. I've, mm -hmm. You know, I've pursued music, I've pursued comics, I've tried many different things just because I said, hey, I want to try it. Hey, well, I'm glad that we had the opportunity uh, to sit down and talk today. Big, big shout out to Jeff as well. I think Jeff was the one uh, that introduced us together and set this up, uh, the, the interview at least. Um, yeah, Jeff's awesome. I love Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So shout out to him. Anyone that's interested, uh, be sure to check out Chris on all of the social media platforms. That is in the description of the YouTube link. Um, big shout out uh, for Chris uh, coming on to the show today with us and breaking down Crit as well. We always appreciate it. And for everyone that's watching, I hope you guys keep it geekly.